This morning's Bible reading is taken from Luke chapter 17, beginning in verse 20. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them. The kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And he said to the disciples, the days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they will say to you, look there, or look here. Do not go out or follow them. For as the lightning flashes and lights come up and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given into marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. So will it be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, let the one who is on the house top, which with his goods in the house, not come down to take them away. And likewise, let the one who is in the field not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life will keep it. I tell you, in that night, there will be two in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. There will be two women grinding together. One will be taken and the other left. And they said to him, Where, Lord? He said to them, Where the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. This is the word of the Lord. We do have that sign-up sheet out there, right? Thank you. It's in my car still. Morning. Well, if you've been with us for the whole time, we are in our seventh month of Luke. Man, four more weeks. We'll be ending Luke right about Easter time. I want to alert you of a special thing that will be coming up right after Easter. Lord willing, we're going to have um, a, a missionary, basically a, a teaching elder in the EPC, who runs a ministry in Boston, reaching out to those who are uh, being sex trafficked. And um, we've asked her to come and share here. Uh, this will be right after Easter. So I just want to alert you, that's going to be a special Sunday uh, coming up. So hear about more on that. Also want to alert you that we have purchased all the computers for Team 13. And uh, praise the Lord. And uh, we're in process, right, Katie? We're in the process of getting them over there. We're trying to get them hand-delivered to them by people who will be going over to where they are. So we will keep you updated as that goes. Um, you can continue to contribute to the Afghan families uh, because there's just going to be a lot more needs coming up. So, um, But we, we have gotten that, so that's great. 
Uh, this morning, we are in Luke, as you can tell, chapter 17. I'm going to begin chapter 18 as well. Remember, let's go all the way back seven months ago, if you weren't here. Luke was written for the purpose of telling a believer who hadn't known Jesus, hadn't been a personal eyewitness to any of this, why he should believe. Someone who'd become a Christian, they call him, Luke calls him Theophilus, why should you believe? Why should you continue to walk in this way? Especially in the time they were living, things were getting really hard. And that the Romans were putting tremendous pressure. This is the age of Nero, and they were under great persecution. Why should you continue to walk in this? And he wanted them to know with certainty that what he believed was true. And so Luke puts together the stories and accounts from eyewitnesses that he interviewed about knowing who Jesus was and what he spoke. So this morning what we have is Jesus speaking about the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? So if we go back to what Chris read for us. It starts in verse 20 of chapter 17, being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come. When's God's kingdom coming? What does that look like for us? How do we, what does that mean to us? Well, for them, for the un, Jewish understanding of the kingdom of God, it's wrapped up in this concept of the day of the Lord. The kingdom of God and the day of the Lord would have been part of one ball of wax, so to speak. And for them, it was the day when God said everything right. It was the day when the change would happen and God would set the righteous ruling and that the bad would go away. And so for them, it was going to happen one of two ways. It was either going to happen by God raising up a Messiah, someone in the line of David, according to the Old Testament prophets, and that that person would then free them and they thought it was going to be militarily or in civic. He would take over. And there were actually a series of people. The, one of the most famous, we know if you've heard of Masada, that hill where there was this great rebellion. This, was, this would be in about 20 years, less than that, 10 years after Luke wrote the gospel in 70 AD. There was this war and the Jews for a few years kind of had what they called a Messiah come and they were back in charge for a little while until Rome crushed them. And so uh, another one in about about 50 years after that, there would be the Bar Korchba Rebellion. There would be a series of these, we're going to overcome. Didn't happen. The second way, if it wasn't going to be a Messiah, then it was going to be the Day of the Lord was this cosmic event. If you want to read more about the Day of the Lord, it's scattered all throughout the Old Testament. Isaiah 13 is a really good place to start. It's like the light show. It's just... Fire from heaven consumes the wicked. The righteous, at least as far as they knew, how they defined the righteous would reign and would rule and God would set everything right. Malachi 4 says, you know, it, it, that he's going to come and, and set everything right. Jesus says that's coming, but you've missed something. Let's look at what Jesus says in response to them because they were wondering, when are you going to set things right? And so Jesus says, in verse, uh, the end of verse 20 and verse 21, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. 
All right. So for us, as we're as we're applying this and as we're looking, I think we have some of the same questions the Pharisees did. And they say, what's wrong? If, if God's here, why is this world such a mess? Why is my life such a mess? Why is my my physical condition the way it is? Why are my relationships such a why is it such a mess if God's here? And isn't he going to set things right? What does that look like? Jesus says, look, you've missed something. You think it's just the end stage, the setting right, but something is already happening. Think of it like a two-stage rocket. And the first stage rocket is this. It's all, something is already happening. Now, some of your translations in that verse 21 are going to read, the kingdom of God is within you. NIV, I think, and others say that. Not such a great translation because he's talking to the Pharisees who did not believe. So for him to say, for Jesus to say, the kingdom of God is inside you, Pharisees. No, that's not, that's universalist Jesus talking and that doesn't happen. So what's happening here? He says the kingdom of God is that, that um, preposition that he's looking at is it can be translated a bunch of different ways and best translated it's right here in front of you. It's in your midst. It's, it's here already. Why? Because the king was there. The kingdom happens where the king has arrived and his reign is, is happening. Well, what we've been looking at for 17 chapters for almost three years of Jesus' life is what it looks like when the kingdom of God comes. You want to know what it looks like? Follow Jesus around. The kingdom of God looks like where Jesus is. Because marginalized outside people throughout Luke have come and been received and accepted. Those who think they see are told they're blind. Those who are blind can now see. We sang about it this morning. The dead are raised. The sick are healed. The kingdom of God. It was in a limited scope, right? It wasn't happening all over the earth. It was happening where Jesus was. And now it's beginning to happen where what? Where his followers are. He's beginning to say to you guys, now you take what? The gospel of the kingdom and go out to the villages and towns and you do what I did. And they're coming back with great reports. But it's not 100%, is it? We've also seen them say to like the Samaritans, the marginalized, the hated, the outsiders, why don't you call fire down and destroy their village? They didn't get it all the way. You see what's happening. The kingdom is beginning to grow. And he says the kingdom isn't something you can observe like the sky opening up and Messiah returning. It's going to happen because God's word, both living in Jesus and God's word written, is beginning to be applied. And you're beginning to see the kingdom happening. It's compared to yeast little bit of yeast. You see its effect. It's hidden inside the dough, but you see what happens. Makes things grow. So, to be fair to the Pharisees, as opposed to sad to the Sadducees, to be, to be fair to the Pharisees, you say, okay, I look around you and I see Rome is oppressing us, and we're a, a, a people that have no power. I see unfaithful Israel doing all kinds of things. I, I don't look around and I don't see the kingdom. And he says, that's because you're not looking at me. He says, look at me 
and you'll see the kingdom. So, okay, for us, right here, 2022, where's the kingdom of God in your life? Do you see it or not? I, I, if you're like me, you can say yes and no. I see it, and I don't see it. The first stage of the rocket's already taken off. The king has come. He's left his Holy Spirit. But let me give you two things that God gives us to bridge the gap. Because the second stage is what they were looking for, which is there will come a day when Jesus says, don't go off looking for the king coming. He's there. He's here. The sky will open up and every person on earth will see Jesus coming again. He says, that's clear. We don't know the date. He doesn't even know the date, so we ought not to be predicting the date. Only the Father knows. But there will come a day, maybe in a second, maybe in a month, maybe in a year, maybe after we're passed away from this earth. We don't know, but there'll come a day when everyone will see, it says. That's the second stage of the rocket. In the meantime, there's two things I think we need to have in this in-between time. It's a great concept to think of. People call it the now and not yet of the kingdom, the present and the future. The kingdom is here in part, but not fulfilled. It's a great, great concept to remember because it answers so many questions about why things are still wrong here. And yet, so much goes right here. The grace of God is here, but not fully. Two things you need. You need lament and you need hope. Why do I say that? Because if you don't know how to lament, that is, you don't know how to look at what's happening, let's say, in Ukraine right now, and say, God, where are you as these attacks are coming on and we just feel, or any number of things, just look back the last few years, and you know, it, it, Ukraine's just the one happening right now, but it happens all the time, right? Where we see something that is so broken Lament is the gap between the sovereignty and the goodness of God. If you believe God is a sovereign God and a good God, and that He's faithful, and yet you see the brokenness at the same time, if you are able to keep those two things in your mind at the same time, the difference between the two is lament. Read Psalm 13, it's six verses, a great psalm of lament. How long, O Lord, will it be until you come? And then the psalmist says, I'm going to turn my eyes and remember your faithfulness in the past, and I'm going to hope in what you can do. But if you can't lament, here's what will happen. You'll just get angry. Or you'll take a book that says, you know, God, there's all kinds of books that have been written on God can't be sovereign and good, and yet I see the brokenness of the world, so he's either not sovereign or he's not good. That's the conclusion. You see it all the time. You read books, they come and go. No, God's given us lament. We live in the in-between time. And this is what Jesus is trying to communicate here to the Pharisees who said, no, we just want to know when it's coming, when the end's going to be. And he says, you don't know when the end's going to be. It doesn't matter. What you need to do is live in the now with a broken heart for the brokenness around you. And hope. Because also in that gap, if it's, if it's lament with no hope and you're just crushed, 
then you, you, you won't live with the glory that God wants you to because there's hope. Hope is looking at the sovereignty of goodness of God and remembering that He will answer. And that's what the story... See, this, this, um, what we, this teaching that Jesus has given is bookended. It's bookended by two stories. I'm going to quickly recount them. The first one, many of you will know, is the story of the ten lepers. This is the, the ten verses that lead into the story Jesus we just read about. And the ten lepers were healed of their leprosy. And right, they all go, they're told to go to the priest and show themselves. And then what did it say? One of them comes back and he kneels down and acknowledges Jesus. And often we, we see that and we think, well, you know, the, the takeaway is don't forget to say thank you. So yes, it's good to say thank you, but it's a little, there's a little more to it than just that. One has eyes to see what happened. All ten were healed. All ten are very grateful. I'm sure they all would have said thank you, but they were told to go to the priest and show themselves as proof of their purification. Was it, I mean, the one actually kind of disobeyed and didn't go. He came back. And the point that Jesus makes is, who is it? It's a Samaritan. It's an outsider. It's someone who perceives the kingdom come. It's the now of the kingdom. It happened now. And then... The story after is the first ten verses or eight verses of chapter 18. And it's another, it's a parable. And it's a parable of a persistent widow. The story is of a certain city where there's a judge and he cares not for God or man. But this widow is so persistent and kept bothering him and bothering him and bothering him. And the judge relents. And again, the takeaway for that is just be a pest and God will get you what you want. That's not the takeaway of that one either. The takeaway is the not yet. The takeaway is there's got to be hope in the widow's heart. If there was no hope, she wouldn't keep pestering the judge. And this is a lesser to greater argument. If even a wicked judge who doesn't acknowledge God or man, how much more will God in heaven answer? And you say, when? I have been waiting for so long. Welcome to the not yet. Welcome to lament. Welcome to how long, O Lord. If hope dies, we're in trouble. This is why Jesus comes over and over and over again. He says the hope of the world is not in the answer to your prayer alone it is in me because i am here and even if your prayer is not answered in the now right the day you want it to that person hasn't changed their heart or their attitude towards you that circumstance hasn't happened whatever you're dealing with the fact that jesus came he put a down payment which is a guarantee of what's coming. When you put a down payment on a house, you better get the house, right? When you put a down payment on something, it says, it's mine, I'm putting something down now. And Jesus says, my Holy Spirit I've given you, and my pre- that's my presence. I, he's finished His work. You realize that, right? Jesus doesn't have to do anything else. He's, it's finished. 
It's done. But we live in the not yet. We live with hope of what's coming. Hope is the assurance that the promiser keeps his promises. When we lose hope, we've lost hope in the promiser. Now, the Pharisees, again, were looking for something completely different. They were looking for an answer on this earth. They were looking for a change that wasn't going to come. And yet the answer that they really needed to the deepest need of their heart had already happened, which was to make them right with God. And so it is for us. As we close, I I just want us to think about how we take strength from the, the character and the knowledge of God. If you know who your parents, let's just say your parents, or think of someone that you could always count on. Think of someone when you say, man, when they say they're going to do something, I know they're going to do it. I could name some people in this room. When they say, I'll be there at two, I don't have to call and say, hey, don't forget about our appointment. Like, I forget appointments, so I'm the kind of person you have to send a reminder to sometimes. But I know people who I just can bank on it. And right now, in the not yet, in the coming, bank on the fact that God is faithful. And I know that's hard. I know it's tough. I know it looks sometimes like things are never going to happen. But the day it does, the day when it all makes sense, and I wish I could tell you it was all going to be in your lifetime. I just want to close with a very brief recap of one of our our favorite verses, but it's just a, a thing I keep with me all the time. In Jeremiah... 29, I'll have you turn to that, I think it's 29.10. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. That's Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Jeremiah is giving these words while the Babylonians are storming into Jerusalem to take it over. You think, that's a great promise. See, God's going to give me a future and a hope. No one who heard those words, virtually no one was alive when it came about because it was 70 years from the time of the Babylonians until it actually happened. And we want it tomorrow. I put it on my coffee cup and I say, well, today will be the day. Maybe, maybe 70 years At 62, I'm probably not going to see it. Surely, Lord. Did it make God unfaithful? No, it made us bad in counting. (laughs) Because we want it when we want it. And we think the only time that matters is the time when I can see it. 
And do you realize we serve a God who sees from here to here and for a thousand years is as a day and a day is as a thousand years and we judge him for his unfaithfulness when he has been faithful every day. Don't judge God unless you have the eye of eternity. And when you have the eyes of eternity, you will see how faithful he is and how faithful he will be to you. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word and I thank you for the way you were able to speak into the situation as the Pharisees wanted to know when, when is the kingdom coming? And he says, it's already here and yet it's still coming. Lord, we long, we look and long for the day when we see you face to face, when it's no longer a shadow. When the sky opens up and it's like lightning flashing from east to west. Lord, I know some of us think we don't want to see that day, but we do. If we love you, we do. Lord, but in the meantime, we lament. And yet we hope because the hope is here. And Lord, we have the opportunity now to share the greatest news, to share the kingdom, to be the kingdom, to receive it, and to operate in the power of the kingdom. We have the opportunity now. Lord, and while there's still time, let us love you in the not yet. Sink the hope deep in our hearts, Lord, like an anchor that keeps us from getting pulled here and there Keep us steady, Lord, because the world's rocking. Lord, you, you said it was finished when you died on the cross. Lord, we love that, that you did your part. You've done it. You've sent your Holy Spirit and you are now actively involved in our lives. Lord, because there's nothing between us anymore for those who believe. I want to give a minute of silence here for you to talk to the Lord about anything in your now and not yet. The healing you want to see happen, the relationships that you know are broken, the world that it troubles you so much because you see the brokenness of the injustice. Would you take a minute? Would you bring those things before the Lord? Would you ask him to fill you with both the gift of lament and the gift of hope to be able to carry on